Hello, everyone, and welcome to the AC Podcast. My name is Troy. I'm here today with the full team, Andy, Steve, and Wes. We're going to get into today's episode, but before that, we just got a couple announcements, some things that we're excited to let you know of. First being that the third children's book from the Human Project for Kids, uh, which is a ministry of Apologetics Canada, is out. And for those of you who can see this on video, uh, Andy is holding up the book there. And uh, just for those who don't know, who have never heard about the Human Project for Kids, it is a new resource for families created by AC. We want to partner with you as you train your children to have a correct perspective of God, themselves, and others. And these books, they're really cute. They, the illustrations are amazing, and they're they are well-written. My, my kids really, really enjoy them. So you can head to uh, kids.apologeticscanada.com to get yourself or your children a copy today. Um, Coming up in December 9th, for those of you who are looking for a more Christmas-based event to head to, Andy will speaking. Andy will be speaking at Southridge Church um, on a topic called "Can a Baby Heal a Broken World?" A theology forum with Sarah Friesen, Andy Steiger, and Greg Harris. That'll be held on December 9th at 7 p.m. at Southridge. For more information, you can head to southridgefellowship.ca. Um, it's going to be a good time um, with with great dialogue. I'm looking forward to it. It's going to be good. Yeah, it's 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 probably going to be really good. It- <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for that vote of confidence. <laughs> no, it's going to be it's going to be a great event. Uh, it's a really really uh, interesting topic, and so make sure you guys head to you can head to our events page as well um, for any more information for you to take that in. We should also say thank you to everyone for Giving Tuesday. I don't know when you're listening to this, but this is after day after Giving Tuesday that we're recording this, and we just want to say a big thank you to everyone. Uh, for um, partnering with us financially. As you know, we are doing a double year impact giving campaign where we have a matching gift up to 100,000. So we have the ability to raise up to 200,000. And currently we are at 62%. Woo! Explosions. Applause. (laughs) (laughs) So thank you, thank you, thank you to everyone who uh, is partnering with us. We so appreciate it. Yeah, absolutely. Gentlemen, how are we doing today? I'm doing great. There is, I'll just throw it out there. There's snow on the ground. My kids got a snow day. So they're like still in bed. They're living the, (laughs) they're living the teenage dream right now. I I don't know about you guys, but I, I love snow days. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I, I love snow days because here when it snows, it's a little warmer than usual. (laughs) So yeah, that, that means like, it's like minus 15 instead of minus 30. But, uh, a balmy but day okay. in Edmonton. Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> See, I grew up in the prairies, so there was no such thing as a snow day. It was just, you know, Wednesday. It was just a regular day. <laughs> or days when, you know, school buses won't start because it's so cold, then, you know, school's canceled. <laughs> so then kids have <laughs> pajama days at home. Yeah, because Troy, you got you to gotta be laughing about the amount of snow we have. Is like, I'm looking out there right now. It's just like a couple inches. But that's all it takes, man. It's so funny because right by our house, like if you were to go to like Daily Vancouver on social media, you will see all these vehicles and accidents and crashes happening. It's like right by my house. And it was everyone's in this far like left lane. And I was just cruising, just having a great old time thriving in the (laughs) in this weather. I'm like, I got my snow tires and winter experience. I am doing well. Oh, man. (laughs) We're going to get into today's episode. It's uh, it's it's going to be. 
It's a spicy one. It's a spicy one, like muy caliente. There's a lot of tapatio <laughs> sauce on this one. Sriracha <laughs> is all over the place. Uh, but it, it actually started oh, from... my love language. There you go, right? <laughs> uh, but we, we had a couple weeks back, I feel like it's been a couple weeks already, our team went to ETS. And for those of you who don't know what that is, that is the Evangelical Theological Society Conference, which was held in Denver. And right upon arrival, Wes actually let our team know that he had just received an interesting email. And, literally, we uh, just stepped out of the airport. Right. We're literally waiting for our vehicle to drive back after passing us and leaving, trying to leave us at the terminal. Um, but, but Wes, let, why don't you let, don't you let the, the listeners know um yeah we got it was an interesting start to the weekend uh, apparently i'm the bear of bad news because the last time i got off a plane i also informed the team of something that i'd heard about <laughs> um, I, ironically from the same person who told me on the same plane um so mm. i'm just like a proxy bear of bad news but yeah i was uh, i was waiting in the airport at toronto pearson and there was a, a crew of us that were going to ETS from Ontario. And I sat down with someone who is a friend of the ministry. And they said, hey, have you, did you see the, the tweet about Abdu? And I thought, no, I, I haven't. And he went on to explain. And I looked it up just before I got on the plane. And there was this open letter that was sent about Abdu Murray by a handful of Apologists, people within the apologetics community. Yeah. And just for our listeners who may not know, who is Abdu Murray? Abdu Murray, he was pretty high up in the rankings of RZIM, uh, Ravi Zacharias International Ministries. He was the North American director for a little bit. And then I believe his last position before kind of the overall collapse of RZIM was he was the, the president of RZIM. And so he was kind of in the thick of a lot of the mess that happened with that. He uh, stepped down, I believe, about a year ago um, and was has just been in the slow process of relaunching the ministry that he had before he started with Arzim. And so he was on this kind of slow climb trying to establish himself after uh, coming out of that. And he's a, uh, he's a friend of AC. We've done quite a few events with him, both in the past and in the um, more recent present. And so it, it was kind of a surprise. It was kind of a surprise to hear this open letter because, you know, a lot of us, um, myself included, had talked to Abdu pretty recently since him leaving RZIM, since everything getting, uh, you know, as messy as it did with RZIM and uh, had felt that he was on uh, a journey of, of seeking active growth and understanding, you know, what he came out of. And so this open letter just kind of said by these individuals that they, they were not uh, happy with the, the response of Abdu, that they didn't feel that he was fully repentant. And um, basically that they were not planning on doing anything with him in the future. And that unless people, unless Abdu, and they mentioned a couple of others, um, who were former RZIM individuals, uh, Sarah Phillips, uh, who I believe was on the board, the head of the board of RZIM, and um, Michael Ramsden, who was the, the CEO, who kind of headed the organization alongside Ravi for a long time. Unless these, these three individuals, including Ravi, uh, took acceptable steps in their eyes that uh, they were not going to work with them and um, 
kind of alluding to the fact that nobody else should either. So it was a bit of a surprise, a bit of a, a shock, um, especially, you know, having talked to Abdu since and kind of feeling that there that, that might not totally be correct. But this is something that we as a team uh, talked about over the weekend, um, or it wasn't the weekend because ATS happened during the week, but yeah. as we were down in Denver. It was one of those moments where, you know, we're praying about it and thinking about it. And so I know people while we were in ETS, you know, people were posting about it, talking about it. And some people might be surprised when they see that we didn't post about it and we didn't talk about it. And we're just now uh, talking about it. Just so people appreciate one of the reasons why we don't just jump into those conversations is because we want to pray about it. We want to talk about it. We want to read through and make sure we understand what's going on and that we're not being reactionary, that we're, you know, we're being thoughtful with what's going on. So if people are wondering, you know, you know, why haven't they said anything? Uh, Well, it's because we've been, we've been talking about it and we've been praying about it. We also have uh, been reaching out and speaking to people about it, specifically Abdu. This situation has actually been something that's been uh, brewing, if you will, in a good way. Uh, with Apologetics Canada for a year now. And it's something that we haven't really talked about publicly, but given what's happened, we decided, you know what, we we will. One of the things that we value, just quickly, just to say here, is some of these things are really difficult to talk about. And the truth is a lot of people don't want to talk about it. Yeah. So we're putting ourselves out there every time we do this. <laughs> so it's one of those spicy topics, you know, and we're like, you know what, um, we've got to talk about these things, but let's do so gently, respectfully, and maybe just even just to say right off the get-go, you know, the people who wrote this letter, open letter with regards to Abdu, we respect these people. We love these people. These are people I talk to at ETS that I have, I have a lot of, I have a lot of respect for them. And I think that they do great ministry. But with regards to this letter, as we're going to talk about, uh, we, we respectfully disagree with their position uh, on, on Abdu. And, mm-hmm. and I, we want to share with you why that is. Yeah, so I remember, I think it was about, it was last year, wasn't it, that Andy, you actually brought this up at our staff meeting, um, having actually talked to Abdu, can you just kind of walk our listeners and viewers through that conversation a little bit? Yeah, and and I actually think it's good that you guys are on this, this, this podcast, you know, as we talk about this, because you can be like, no, this really did happen. You know, we really have been praying about this and talking about this together as a staff and with Abdu for a year now. So here's what, here's what happened. Here's the story you haven't heard. (laughs) (laughs) I was out at a church in Whistler here in British Columbia, and I was preaching out there. I was preaching on this passage and I was really getting after cancel culture, you know, and I'm all proud of myself, right? Just taking cancel culture to task. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I, you know, cancel I hop off. Culture. Yeah, cancel that cancel culture. So I hop off the stage, of course, and I'm thinking, man, I'm going to have people come in and tell me what a great, you know, sermon, you know, getting after cancel culture. And uh, if if we're honest, you know, sometimes we have those moments, right? Where you're like, wow, that was a good sermon. But at any rate, that's not what happened. <laughs> Instead, <laughs> the Lord had to do a little bit of humbling and and teaching, honestly, to me. And there was a guy in the audience, and he just came up to me. He's very thoughtful. You know, I think the Lord was really speaking to him and using him to speak to me. And and he said, hey, hey, you know, Andy, great sermon and everything, but have you been watching what's going on with RZIM? And specifically, have you been watching what's going on with, with Abdu? 
And I, and I was like, well, yeah, from a distance, I'm a spectator watching a house fire. I'm kind of gawking, but I'm not running into the house fire trying to pull anybody out. There's a lot of us that when the whole Ravi thing went down, we just watched from afar. Yeah. And, but this guy was like, what are you doing to help your brother? What, like, what are you doing? And I'm like, I'm just standing there convicted, right? Because I'm like, nothing. But he was just challenging me like, hey, what does it look like to help in this situation and see people restored to ministry? What, what does that look like? And, and so I left that, that speaking engagement. I had like a two and a half hour drive just to think about this. I, I prayed literally the whole way home. And God was just really speaking and, and, and teaching me, just saying, you know, th- this, isn't, this isn't the right posture. So I, I did a couple things. First, I reached out to Abdu and uh, I apologized. I, I apologized for just watching from afar and not being involved. And, and, I, and I just came to him and I just said, hey, I'm sorry. And I want to help. I, and I want to help see reconciliation come in the midst of, of this terrible situation. And let me just say this, a terrible situation that no one at RZIM was asking for this situation. Nobody went to RZIM going, hey, I want to work in this organization so I can deal with this scandal. You know, this is not something that they wanted. Did they get things wrong in the midst of it? Absolutely. And Abdu admitted that. And I I challenged Abdu on that, saying, hey, man, reconciliation needs to happen here. Don't, Don't let Satan win in this. But let's move forward, and I firmly believe that God still desires to see you in ministry, or that that option is at least there. He still wasn't sure at that time, needed to pray about it. But I remember he said something to me. This whole thing had been very hard on him as well, because of the way that people had responded to him. Like, when I talked to him, by the way, I mean, he was in tears. This was the first time somebody had just reached out to him and and thrown a lifeline and said, can I help? Instead of just beaten up, you know, on people that are involved in this thing. And he said, you know, Andy, he said when, when he had left Islam and came to Christianity, he said that was easier than this. He had taken a lot more abuse through all this than he's ever, than he's ever gone through. And I, I just remember thinking to myself, man, this, this isn't the way it should be. This isn't the way we should be treating people. We, we need to be agents uh, of reconciliation. And so uh, so then I came back from that, came back to our staff and said, hey, staff, I know you guys all might be in different places on what's going on in this, but here's what God's teaching me. Here's where I'm at. I reached out to Abdu. My heart is is for reconciliation and to walk with him through that and that we could be agents of reconciliation in the midst of this. Yeah. Uh, and we thought through that as a staff and prayed about that. And as a staff, we said, yeah, we're, we, we agree. Yeah, I would just I would just love to say that this this conversation was one of the many things that solidified um my desires to continue being with AC because I it wasn't very long like I hadn't gone full time too too long after this that we had this conversation and I remember Andy, you know, you having this meeting with us and it was a pretty somber meeting cuz it's one of those ones where you could, I could just kind of tell from your demeanor that was like, I can't drag you through this with me, but I'm asking, like, will you come with me in this? Because, and, and you said something that was pretty pivotal that understand that if I'm putting my neck out there for Abdu, I am fully aware what this 
could mean for you guys individually, um, what this could mean for your families and the, the the different avenues and circles that you were in. And that's a pretty, like, I, I want people to understand, like, that that is such a very important aspect of leadership because you may be wanting to steer a ship into a storm that you feel prepared for. But if you've not taken the moment to actually take a look at your team and ask your team, hey, are you willing to go in this with me? Because if we're going in, you can't come in passively. And uh, that was something that I think was super important because like Andy's saying, if we're supposed to be agents of reconciliation, then it starts with unity. And um, as an organization, that was such a, it was just a really important conversation for us to have. Even though nothing happened right away, it was a preface to what the year we would end up walking into was going to look like unbeknownst to us. Yeah. And quite honestly, um, when we take this step, right, like along with Andy uh, and Abdu, uh, in a sense, we're putting our neck out there. I mean, you kind of alluded to this already uh, before, just earlier, Andy, but um, I remember even as I landed uh, in Denver, I got a message from somebody that I know uh, who raised the question about working with Abdu uh, in light of this thing that just came out. And so already we were getting that. I mean, she wasn't harsh about it, but it does got her eyebrow raised. Like, why why are you associating with him? Because um, what he did was pretty damning. Just so uh, it's super clear to our listeners and our viewers, it just needs to be emphasized again that this is not us condoning what happened. In fact, reconciliation only takes place once you acknowledge the truth, and, and we we do acknowledge, and and Abdu himself, uh, by the sounds of it, acknowledges right that what happened was wrong, and he wants to own that. Just to, just to uh, put an emphasis on that, Steve, Abdu does know. You know, uh, the reason Steve's saying it like that is just because I've been the one who's been in direct conversation uh, with Abdu. A- Abdu knows yeah. that that this is wrong, and I and I want to talk about this real quick with regards to that, I think we just need to also be clear that what happened in the perpetrator in this was Ravi. However, people that were working with and around and associated with, they all got dragged into it. Yeah, And then it became a big mess as to how people responded in it. And I want to give a little bit of insight and, and even hear your guys' thoughts on this, because I think that this was actually a pretty big pride issue within the apologetics community. Mm. That, and and frustration and sadness because there's a lot of us in the apologetics community that we had seen pastors fall, you know, for years or these different leaders, but we really hadn't seen somebody within the apologetics community. And I think there were many of us that kind of felt we were almost insulated from it, that we were above it, that we were so committed to the gospel that surely it wouldn't happen in the apologetics community. And then it does. Yeah. And with somebody as significant as as Ravi. And it's almost like there's this pride and almost like the shame that you could have apologists, you could have these people that we respect not only fall, but get duped by somebody that fell. Yeah. Well, even, I mean, there were a few kind of minor scandals, and I don't even know if scandal is the right word um, with Ravi uh, in terms of credentials and a few other things that happened before that. But I don't think anybody could have guessed at the level of level and depth of what was going on. Um, even you know, people who I knew who weren't necessarily big, uh, 
RZAM fans um, outside of the apologetics community, or even inside, there were the, those detractors existed too. Uh, even talking to them afterwards and them saying, no, I had no idea. I had no idea it was that bad. And I think that it's pertinent to say that that's true for the people within the organization as well. Uh, they just, they did not know how deep that, you know, hole really went. And that's sad. And a lot of them got caught up. I know here in Canada, two friends of AC who were hired and moved to Toronto out here where the office was, the RZM office was, um, they were only hired a year before all of this went down. And so they were really affected by it because they were kind of brought into this as something they were passionate about and something that they um, thought that they were going to really contribute to the kingdom with. And probably in my guess from the moment they got in um i mean things just started to crumble bit by bit until eventually it just all kind of tumbled down so a lot of people were affected yeah agreed Wes. and i don't want to go too deep into the weeds but just to say you know when all this happened we we're friends with a lot of people at rzim yeah and we talked to a lot of people during this that during this time and there were a lot of people that were standing up for for ravi and that didn't want to believe this. So it, it, to try well, to I think that's my point in saying one it, person, like it's like, this was a messy yeah. situation. Yeah. 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 And I think that's uh, me bringing that up is to say, you know, um, it, people, people weren't complicit, obviously, but at the exact same time, nobody could have seen how crazy things ended up being. And so in one sense, it wasn't absolutely, crazy to then come to Ravi's defense because you you reacted based on what you knew at the time and what they knew at the time is they just simply did not know what they didn't know it speaks to this idea that you know when you have organizations that are speaking out against cults and all these other things and then to see that they could get swept into their own cult of personality with Ravi and that they could get duped it's it's yeah. it's a little shameful right it's a little bit Yep. humiliating and there's there's some pride going on here and and here's something that's just interesting i'm just gonna throw it out there i tell you i remember taking a class in my master's on uh cults and new religious movements and the teacher did something at the very end of this class where we studied just the swath of different cults he said i want everybody to close their eyes and i want you to raise your hand if you think that you could get caught up in a cult and then he goes, okay, everybody opened their eyes. And he said, okay, everybody raised their hand except for one person. And I knew who the one person was. Uh, that was me. And he, and he goes, and then he didn't say anything. I go, hey, listen, I go, the person that didn't raise their hand was me. And he goes, yeah. He goes, I didn't want to call you out. And I said, the reason I didn't raise my hands, he goes, as, as I said, because I, I, after seeing all this, I'm like, I, I could see that not only could I get sucked into this, I could, I could be the cult leader. You know, like, and, and, and the, just that the truth is that like, it, my point was, was just simply to agree with the prof, like anybody could get caught into this. And you got to be so, so careful. People can be deceptive, right? And, and we need to trust people and we, we, we love people and we seek to work with people. But the reality is only God knows what's really going on in the heart and you're not God. And the yeah. truth is you can get duped. And thus... Apologetics Canada was born that day. <laughs> <laughs> and now Quick, I will start disclaimer. Yeah. Put up the disclaimer. <laughs> but it is funny you say that because that really did set the course for me when I as in with regards to ministry. Instead, I'm like, I need to make sure that this isn't about me. 
And whatever yeah. we're doing, whether you're a pastor, because I mean, come on, pastors can do this. Organizational leaders can do this. Friends can do, anybody can do this, right? Where you got to yeah. be like, man, this is not about me. It's about Jesus. That's why I love yeah. Paul, man. And he said, as he says in first, I've quoted this a lot, but you got to, this is a good one to keep in, in, in the holster, right? Paul says in first Corinthians 11, one, follow after me as I follow after Christ, right? You're, it's not about me. It's about Jesus. And you should only follow me to the degree that I'm pointing you to Jesus. This is something that we all have to continually bear in mind. That means you're going to have moments in your life that people are going to let you down. And I'm, I'm sure that there are people listening to this podcast that have been perhaps at a church or with a friend or whatever it might be that, have, that may have let you down. But this isn't about them. This is about Jesus. Jesus is the one that you're fixing your hope to. Yeah. And you see, uh, even in the New Testament, I mean, Old and New Testament, but um, church leaders in the New Testament failing, right? I mean, you think of the confrontation between Paul and Peter and how Peter, of all people, right, who should know better, started, you know, distancing himself from the Gentiles and Paul had to confront him on his hypocrisy. Now, uh, obviously, this, this is a very uncomfortable situation, but in doing that, what was the point? The point wasn't just to tear down Peter. The point was to hold him accountable. And, and Peter continued to do, do ministry. Um, I wanna... And there are other examples, too. That, there was one that you brought up in particular, uh, Andy. I don't know if you want to talk about him now. but Thanks for bringing that up, Steve. I want to bring up one that I think is a really interesting lesson in the Bible. And let's let's talk about this. And I and I think that this applies to what we're talking about here with regards to Abdu. In Colossians, I always feel like I'm like when you're preaching, it's like, if you have your Bibles, turn with me to Colossians chapter three. <laughs> <laughs> if you have your manuscripts on <laughs> every search of the Bible. Tell us which page of the Pew Bible it is. in colossians 3 starting in verse 12 is a classic piece of scripture that's just that's a beautiful reminder of our posture in the midst of the brokenness of our world as paul says therefore as god chosen people holy and dearly loved clothe yourselves with compassion kindness humility gentleness and patience bear with each other and forgive one another Uh, if any of you has a grievance against someone forgive as the lord forgave you and over all these virtues uh, put on love, which binds them them all together in perfect unity. And let the peace of Christ rule over your heart, since as members of one body, you were called to peace and be thankful. And and he goes on in this, and, and this is something Paul brings up a lot, right? We are, and he talks about this in 2 Corinthians, you know, that we are participating in a ministry of reconciliation. Yeah. And you see him coming at this in so so many times. And I think this is a very interesting one, though, in Colossians. Because he's talking about this this idea of forgiveness, reconciliation here in Colossians 3. And then he moves into Colossians 4. And he says something that that is quite interesting uh, in verse 10. That he talks about as my my fellow prisoners, they're sending you greeting, as does Mark, the cousin of Barnabas, whom he's doing ministry with, and we see this uh, elsewhere outside of Colossians. We see this in 2 Timothy 4.11. We also see this in Philemon uh, 24. And, and you might be wondering, well, you know, why is that? What's interesting about Paul talking about Mark in Colossians and 2 Timothy and Philemon and how he's doing ministry with them 
is there's this episode that develops an axe that's worth thinking about, particularly as it applies to what we're talking about with Abdu. In Acts chapter 9, verses 20 to 31, the disciples don't want to work with Paul. They don't trust him, and they're not interested in reconciliation. They're not interested in um, doing ministry with him. But uh, Barnabas stands up for Paul. And Barnabas says, no, listen, uh, guys, we, we can trust him, and, and we, we should work with him, and argues for it. Where this gets interesting then, as you keep reading in Acts and you come to Acts chapter 15, verses 37 to 40, and we have Paul now that doesn't want to do ministry with with Mark, the cousin of Barnabas. And he doesn't want to do ministry with them because Mark abandoned them. And now Paul doesn't trust him. But Along comes Barnabas, right? And he stands up again for Mark now. I think there's some irony going on here, of course. Yeah. You know, it's like, Paul, man, Barnabas stood up for you. And now Barnabas has to challenge you, right? Yeah. And they, and, and Acts tells us in, in chapter 15 that they part ways. That Paul's like, no, nope, I don't trust the guy. But that's why when I was reading with regards to Colossians, 2 Timothy, Philemon, we see that Paul does end up reconciling with Mark. Yeah. I think this is interesting, yeah. isn't it, guys? I mean, like, and, listen, and, ministry's ministry's messy. It can be complicated. Yeah. We we see this with the early church. And uh I I just always found it really interesting that Mark is mentioned in Second Timothy of all places, because arguably this is the last letter that Paul wrote before he was executed. Because the whole letter is him just kind of frantically writing about the church. He knows that his trial or retrial before Caesar isn't going well, and he knows he's going to die soon. And when you are about to die, you know the it really matters the kinds of people that you want to see and be with. And here, um, Paul is writing to Timothy and saying, "Bring Mark here. He's very useful to me in ministry." And so, just that level of reconciliation, right? And so the the kind of the setting of the letter really says a lot about the level of reconciliation that has taken place between Paul and Mark. And I think one of the lessons to be learned here right alongside that is you don't have to wait till you're on your deathbed to reconcile with somebody. Like, I think, you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> yes, thanks for bringing that we don't, we don't have to wait till the last moment to reconcile. Like, as Andy was saying earlier, and, and Scripture is very clear. We're called to the ministry of reconciliation. So that means we need to be walking in a consistent posture of reconciliation. Reconciliation is something you seek out. It's not something that's just going to happen or come to you. You have to look for it. And and that takes work. That takes vulnerability. And there's an aspect of reconciliation, too, that even if Paul writes this letter and says, hey, I want to reconcile with Mark, and he repents of the way he treated him, reconciliation doesn't always mean that the person on the other side is going to accept it. Reconciliation begins in your own heart. I have to admit, I did this person wrong. I'm going to be the first one to extend uh, the olive branch for peace. And if that other person doesn't accept it, you know, I can still go to sleep at night knowing that I did my part and I attempted it. But I think sometimes the church, we want this perfect case scenario. It, It doesn't always go both ways. And I think that's another side of reconciliation that can be tough. Well, and Paul outlines his ministry as a ministry of reconciliation in 2 Corinthians 5.18. 
where he says, all this is from God who through Christ reconciled us to himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. So yeah. he defines in that passage, the gospel as a message of reconciliation in verse 19. And that's why he did not say, you know, we have moments of reconciliation now and then. No, he was, he saw his calling as a ministry of reconciliation. So yeah. in other words, reconciliation is all we do. You know, it's how we roll as Christians, or at least it's how we should roll because it's a necessity of the gospel message. Yeah. That Christ has reconciled us to him and we are then called to reconcile with others. That's a good distinction. This is something that I'm thinking about and I'd love your feedback on this um, because there are two things happening here, right? On the one hand, we want reconciliation, but on the other hand, we want to hold our leaders accountable. So how do you square the two? What's your take on this, guys? Well, I think to some degree, there is a difference between forgiveness and reconciliation. Uh, you can forgive someone and there not be a bond that is healed. Um, and recon reconciliation is really, a, it's a cut above the step of forgiveness. And I think it is a tricky balance as you brought up, Steve, because public leaders have due diligence to be held at a higher standard. I mean, this is why, you know, James says, I don't wish everybody to be teachers. It's because when we have a public ministry, and this is something we need to be very careful of, individuals like us within AC who stand on stages and who have podcasts and who make YouTube videos, you know, we have a public platform. And so um, there's a, there's in one sense, there is public ramifications for that. Yep. And so I think it is good to hold people to a standard and a standard that matches what they've put out into the world. And we need to do that. And we need to make sure we're holding people accountable and there's transparency and there's accountability. At the exact same time, if there is a, a contrite and repentant heart, um, which I, I, I do believe, uh, sort of in contra to um, the letter that was written about Abdu, I do think there is a repentant heart there. I do think that there is a motivation for him to reaching to be reaching out to others. And that is where reconciliation kind of moves on from forgiveness. We're not just forgiven by Christ. We are reconciled to become uh, daughters and sons of the Most High. So I just have a quick, like, on the, like I, I agree with it everything you're saying, Wes, I'm just wondering on a, on a more practical side of things, for example, you have, again, for those who don't know, I'm from, from the arts world, the music world. And so you have, there's these artists that will create music. They're in the Christian music space. There's a, I'm not going to say a name, but there's this very specific YouTuber that is constantly going after these artists and constantly saying with the premise of, well, we got to hold them accountable. We got to hold them accountable for the things that they're saying, the music they're putting out, what does real accountability look like if I actually don't know you or have a relationship with you? Like, am I really, does accountability, can I truly hold you accountable if I don't actually know you? Many would might say, well, we hold each other accountable according to the word of God, which, okay, fair point, but I find that I'd be interested to know your guys' thoughts because I find that if you don't have a relationship, it often falls on deaf ears because you don't know them. Well, if the goal is reconciliation, not condemnation, 
then that's going to change the whole posture of the relationship. So it's like with me with regards to Abdu. I mean, my posture was just condemnation. I just sat back and watched the house fire, right? Instead mm. of saying, hey, how, how do I, let me reach out, you know, into this situation and, and, and apologize for my own posture in this and ask, you know, what is going on and how can I help and hold you accountable so that, and this is such an important key that so many people miss, so that reconciliation can can take place. You know, because even when we'll talk about things like church discipline and things like that, and what people need to appreciate is that, you know, church discipline is just a different way of saying church rec- reconciliation. It's, a, it's like, how do we get to reconciliation? This is the goal, always. How do we get to reconciliation? Now, here's where I think things do get a little bit messy that we need to appreciate. And that is, that there's a difference between, I would argue, reconciliation between a person and God in that relationship that they have versus reconciliation back into ministry, I would See, say that, is, yeah. is something different. And yeah. I don't think that every situation with a leader can be reconciled back into ministry. I think there's some people that they have lost trust completely. What would, what would that look like? I mean, it, there's nuance. It could be a slippery slope. It could slide into legalism. But like, yeah. how do you draw that line of when it's okay to go back into ministry and when it would not be? Well, first of all, I don't think that there's easy lines to draw with regards to this. But let's just take, because we're dealing with this situation with Abdi, just take him as a, as a quick example. Notice that this wasn't his moral failing. This was Ravi's moral failing. But I think it's interesting that with regards to this, and because Ravi died, I think it could be a lot different situation if he hadn't died. But I think there's there's a lot of frustration and people want to let their frustration out on somebody. And so they want to see fault and where people didn't get things right. And they want to hold them accountable. And I'm like, you, the, the, they weren't the ones that made that did the moral failing. Did they deal with the situation poorly? Yes. Did they confess to that? Yes. Or particularly with regards to, to Abdu. So first of all, that just puts us into a totally different category altogether now. Right. Uh, when they're the ones that are doing the moral failing, that that's a different situation. And and in that situation, like, let me just bring up a situation that's going on right now. I don't normally name names on things, but this is in the public. This has been in the news, so I'll just bring this up. We've all seen different pastors that have failed. And right now in Canada, we're dealing with a messy public one uh, with Bruxy Cavey. And with, with Bruxy, there was this moral failing that came out with an affair. And if you look at his website, he then wrote about it, confessed to it, and apologized for this back in March. I was out at a speaking engagement with Wes and others uh, uh, out in Toronto, and just so happened that the weekend I was there, Bruxy was arrested. And ultimately, that there was even more failings, and now the, the suggestion in the news was with minors and things like that. I don't know, and I'm not pointing fingers, and I'm not trying to not trying to get into that business, but what I'm telling you is that now brings us to a whole nother situation. I've been seeing this a lot where there's a big difference when you've got a leader that confesses to something that they've done. Like we've seen this with, with Matt Chandler, for example, he got challenged on something. Again, I told I wouldn't name names. I'm not saying this in a negative light. This has been very that, public. That was public as well. Yeah. And, and he's coming out with it saying, yeah, I screwed up and they're, and they're working as a church on how to to reconcile this situation. And so we, we leave it with them. But what I'm saying with regards to the proxy things, it becomes really complicated when you have leaders that 
are getting caught. And then you have leaders that are confessing to what they got caught to, and then they get re-caught into even more. And you're like, okay, this is an issue of complete distrust going on here. Yeah. And so you, I'd be curious your guys' thought, but for, for me, when I'm looking at what does reconciliation look like, it looks like there's reconciliation with God, and I definitely want to see Bruxy reconciled with the Lord, and I want to see relationships reconciled. But do I think that, for example, Bruxy could be reconciled back into ministry? Uh, no, I do not. And I think there's a lot going on there that needs to happen. And I know people that are friends with him. And my, again, my prayer is that he'd be ministered to and that he would repent and get his relationship with the, with the Lord right, with his family right. You know, and I'm praying to that, to that end. So I, I don't know about you guys. These become very different situations. Yeah. Yeah. And I think you can disqualify yourself from, from ministry as a ministry leader in that regard. And I think the difference between what you might be articulating, Troy, is that, that there's kind of this fine line between discernment and making sure that the body of Christ is not being deceived by others. And these mm -hmm. kind of heresy hunter groups who unfortunately kind of make a a bit of a mockery, not every time, but a bit of a mockery out of discernment, where they're constantly uh, looking for people to find fault with and in the name of protecting the flock um, are just kind of casting dispersion and, and maybe even... Uh, it's divisive. Like, uh, yeah. So we do need to be careful of that. But I do think there is a place for making sure, especially with Christian leaders who are uh, shepherds of the flock, to be making sure the flock is safe, to be making sure the flock is not led astray, to be pointing out when, hey, you know, that, that, that's a wolf in sheep's clothing. But that requires a lot of wisdom and a lot of discernment. And unfortunately, I think a, there are fewer people than we would like to admit who are actually able to do that well and with grace and with truth, uh, then there are actually people who are claiming to be doing that. Yeah, yeah, that's a good point. Now, th this is, um, I think, an important subject that's, that goes along with all of this. One is, there are times, I think, that we just need to to keep our nose out of out of somebody else's business personally, right? That we've got to appreciate that there are people, like just take Matt Chandler as an example. I just got to appreciate that he is under his his church leadership and that they are dealing with him. And I'm just praying over that situation that they would deal with that in a godly, loving manner towards reconciliation and pray that that, that comes, you know what I mean? And, yeah. and that I'm not, I'm not a part of that. With this situation we're talking about, this was something that was in our home, our, within our sphere of influence and relationship and that we, and that I, I did step into to say, okay, I want to make sure I have the facts straight. I want to see what is going on and see how I can help and, and how can we move towards reconciliation. And to uh, Abdu's uh, credit, his posture has been one, you know, I'm not, I don't want to come across saying that he's gotten everything right. He'll be the first one to tell you that he hasn't gotten everything right. But his posture is of one to say, hey, I, where I've messed up, I want to get it right. And I want to, I want to um, seek reconciliation. And he prayed for a long time asking the Lord, Lord, do you actually want me back into ministry? Mm. And, and it's a long story, but as God worked in him, he came to the conclusion that, yeah, you know, he was still uh, called to the ministry. And I, and I agree. And I agree. And, you know, we, we know people that he has reached out to. Um, 
and has apologized and has sought to make things right. And after that letter even came out with, with Abdu, I reached out to, like, we, he and I talked again. We've talked many times, but I talked again saying, hey, you know, let's talk about this letter. Let's, let's see what's going on here. And, and, you know, have, have things been, have, have you worked to make things right? And again, I would argue that, yes, he has. And I feel quite uh, comfortable with the, the movements that he's made towards reconciliation. It's one of the reasons why Apologetics Canada has chosen to still work with him. But here's where things get messy. <clears throat> things get messy because you've got other people who disagree that we love and respect uh, in yeah. ministry, and, and they, they disagree with us. And this is why I wanted to bring up the scripture. You've got Barnabas and you've got Paul, and they disagree with each other. Two amazing, you know, ministers in, in the gospel, and they parted ways. But I think this is significant to note. It means that reconciliation isn't going to be the same for everyone. It's going to be a yeah. different journey for each. And I think that we need to give people the space for that. Yeah. So it does also mean that people might look at us and go, wow, we're doing events with Abdu. You know, it, what, what's that all about? Well, that's about us walking with him and, and choosing that, yeah, we do believe that, that he is reconciled and that we can trust him and do yeah. ministry with him. But we appreciate that there's others that haven't come to that conclusion yet. You yeah. know, uh, I don't know if you want to look at us as Paul or Barnabas in the situation, but, uh, you know, that the, there's just... <laughs> <laughs> but we're we're in this moment where I guess we're we're Barnabas because they're standing up, you know. But I I fully hope and pray towards that those people who don't feel that they can work with him yet. My my prayers is that they will come to that conclusion that 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 reconciliation process will continue and that they will come to that conclusion that that like Paul did with with Mark that he could trust him and that reconciliation could take place. But I do, I do think that we need to be okay with that tension. Do you guys know what I'm yeah. saying? That tension yep. that you can have people that you really respect that are disagreeing yeah. with each other on this. I think it, it has to be said that we will never, ever see a dead man get raised from the dead if we forget who God is in the midst of that person. And, and I think that that's how I feel about reconciliation. If the moment someone falls, our instinct isn't to pray for reconciliation and it's like man i see i told you so man well there goes another one and there is no desire to see them first and foremost reconciled to god you know like, like you're saying andy someone like the the bruxy cavey situation i don't think he should ever be in ministry again but i do want to see him reconciled to god i do want to see him repent and say you know what lord i was wrong in all fronts in this area but you are still a good god and I ask for your healing and your, your restoration of these, these people and everyone that I've hurt, that's only you have the power to heal that situation. I desire that because those prayers are coming from a different place rather than us just being like, man, I hope he rots in jail. Lord, help the, find the next person to fill his spot. It's like, no, you don't want just an, a placeholder. These are people. These are souls. These are people's lives. And Christ died for each and every one of them, regardless of, of how we see them. Well, and hopefully this is coming from a place of humility, right? Like, yeah. um, I, it makes me think of places like Galatians 6, 1, where Paul says, you know, brethren, if a man is overtaken in any trespass, you who are spiritual, restore such a one in a spirit of gentleness, considering yourself, lest you also be tempted. 
you know, the warning there is that you could be in the same boat if you were put in that same situation. And so anyone who's commenting on this issue, um, us or anyone else, I think that there's wisdom in thinking, you know, if I was put into the position Abdu was three years ago, would I have done any better? And I guess maybe the caveat is that um, these things are taken on a case-by-case basis. And given similar circumstances, um, acknowledging not that in the cookie cutter scenario, I would do the same thing, but in a, a scenario where there is a temptation that reflects a blind spot in my own heart, the temptation is there. And we need to both, we need to hold things in both hands that we need to hold people accountable and we need to not downplay the severity of sin. And we need to acknowledge that we are, we are likewise broken and that we are, uh, put in a, put in a tricky place when we start to point the finger at others because we're a lot more worried about sin that's out there when we often forget about the sin that's in our own heart i think this is also just a good point to highlight just in case people are not hearing it explicitly just hear it explicitly (laughs) us us in this conversation working with abdu for a year I, I see somebody that is heading in the right direction and i'm happy to continue in that process of reconciliation and seeing him restored in ministry as we continue um, in in that direction, realizing that this is messy, realizing that not everyone's going to be in agreement on that. But I do pray that we all are in agreement on reconciliation and that that is what we should be seeking. I'll just say this too, for those that follow us, because you've probably already noticed that we had a we have an event where we have Abdu coming before this all broke out. Please do know that we have reached out to different people over this last year as we've done our due diligence on this. And we've also had to then reach out to different people with now and organizations that, that or people that we're working with. I don't know what they're going to do in any given situation. We might have moments where other speakers are like, don't want to work with that person. We ha- we've had that before this, trust me. Or we've had people, maybe it's a, an organization that doesn't want to host it because of somebody. I can't, we can't control those things, but we can control as an organization what we stand for and what we believe, and we will continue reconciliation uh, in the midst of that. In that, and, I, and this is something I talked to, to you know, Abdu about, and I just said, you know, Abdu, I can't control what's going to happen with different people or organizations, and it might end up being that we can't work with you at, on an event, but it's not because of our choosing, uh, yeah. but maybe somebody else isn't quite ready yet in that reconciliation process. And as hard as that is, we have to respect that. Yeah. Well, thank you listeners so much for tuning into the AC Podcast. The AC Podcast is a ministry of Apologetics Canada. So make sure to like and subscribe on YouTube and all of your favorite streaming platforms. Please interact with us on social media. We we love hearing from you. We love your comments. And so thank you for those that are already doing that. If you have any more questions uh, about today's episode, feel free to hit us up at info at apologeticscanada.com and we will get back to you in kind. But as, as always, we will continue our stance as an organization to love God and love people. Bye for now.